Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, offering compassionate healthcare for all. Learn more about their services, including statewide access to medication-assisted treatment for alcohol and opioid use disorders at ucsonline.org. It is Friday, the 17th of February. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Governor Kim Reynolds has signed a bill into law limiting the amount of money Iowans can get for non-economic injuries like pain and suffering in medical malpractice lawsuits. IPR's Katarina Sestarek reports the new law took effect immediately. Reynolds signed the bill into law surrounded by lawmakers and health care professionals. She says it's key to improving health care access. Over the last few years, I've heard from many hospital executives about the challenges that they face when recruiting doctors. Iowa's record of medical malpractice cases was widely known and the biggest barrier in getting new physicians to practice in our state. Today, we're ready to compete. The law caps non-economic damages at $2 million for hospitals and $1 million against independent clinics and doctors. The caps will increase by 2.1% each year starting in 2028. Economic damages remain unlimited. But Democrats and some Republicans say it won't do much to expand health care access and it puts a one-size-fits-all value on Iowans' lives. A new report's found as Iowa's senior population continues to grow, the state's nursing homes face growing financial and staffing challenges. That story from IPR's Natalie Krebs. The report is by Leading Age Iowa, a group that represents nonprofit providers of aging services. It found the COVID-19 pandemic accelerated long-standing industry challenges like workforce shortages and increasing costs. Matt John is the director of health services at Stonehill Communities in Dubuque. He says his facility has a long waiting list and hasn't been able to open closed units due to inadequate staff. Because of the continued staffing shortages and the reimbursement challenges to to pay more competitive uh, wages for all of our caregivers, we're, we're kind of at a standstill with being able to you know, move ahead and and continue to serve more Iowans that need care. According to the report, 23 Iowa nursing homes have closed since the beginning of 2022. The labor union representing nurses and other health care workers at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinic says the Iowa Board of Regents has left the negotiating table. Representatives from both the Service Employees International Union Local of Minnesota and Iowa and the regions have been negotiating a new contract since January. But after not budging on the union's proposals, a representative of the regions canceled planned negotiation meetings with the union. The union wants the state to intervene. The region's spokesperson says the board is following the collective bargaining process. Iowa's first black newspaper, The Rising Sun, opened in 1883. A century and a half later, Iowa's black press is still telling stories that get left out by other outlets. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith has more. Across the 19th century, newspapers opened shop published by black Iowans for black Iowans. Papers like Des Moines' The Bystander scolded and lectured, cautioned and humored, all while keeping the black community top of mind. In 2020, Dana James remembers reading national reports of COVID-19 hitting black communities particularly hard. But there were few stories chronicling its impact. James says she launched Black Iowa News to hold up those stories. It's me having a conversation with Black Iowa. Black people have always done great things here. But if we don't read and we don't share these things, then that history is lost. 
James Webb site and newsletter are in its third year of production. The first wheelchair college national championships in the 100 meters will be contested this year at the Drake Relays. The U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and the NCAA made the announcement yesterday. Men's and women's athletes who have top three finishes or top eight times in qualifiers will compete at the relays this coming April in Des Moines. You're listening to Hear First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Across the Midwest and the Great Plains, mesonets, a funny word for a statewide weather monitor, record data for farmers, researchers, and emergency responders. The information is the backbone of everything from storm warnings to climate science to crop insurance. But as Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rembert reports, financing for many state mesonets is on shaky ground. When you check a weather forecast, do you ever think about where that information comes from? If you're in southeast Nebraska, you can find one source off a gravel road. We're just in a little pasture field just north of Valparaiso by our weather station. Regan Kirkman is braving a cold, windy day to check on the site. He opens a green gate to approach what looks like a tall metal tripod. We have two sensors to collect rain, and one of them uh, measures snowfall. Um, We have wind speed and direction. Uh, measures the sun, we have temperature and humidity, and pressure, and we have some ground sensors. It does a lot, and it's only one of dozens spread across the state for the Nebraska mesonet. The mesonet stations record data every minute of every day. I think there's 1,440 minutes in a day, so we've got that many observations. That's Martha Durr, Nebraska's climatologist. She says all that data goes off to farmers and ranchers to help them decide when to plant or where to graze cattle. Researchers use it to track drought or study patterns in climate change. It also goes to emergency managers, crop insurance adjusters, the National Weather Service. The list goes on. But in Nebraska, it's all happening on much less funding than is needed. We're kind of run on a skeleton shop right now, just scraping by, I would call it. The state government and public university has steadily cut funding over time. It came to a head last year when Durr was forced to close down some stations, even as the state battles deep drought. And Nebraska's not alone. Missouri also faces funding challenges, while Kansas grapples with inconsistent grant money for any extra staff. And in Illinois, manager Jenny Atkins says hodgepodge funding has limited her program to just 19 stations, covering the entire state. The real issue for us is that we're not growing. These 19 stations are great and they're doing everything they can, but they're only 19 stations. She says they've missed intense wind and rainstorms. The consequences of fewer stations are also coming to a head in Nebraska. Dennis Sheath manages a natural resource district in north-central Nebraska. His team uses mesonet data to conserve groundwater by setting irrigation limits. We use that as a tool to show that, you know, you may have over-irrigated or you may be under-irrigated or maybe you're just right. But now they're doing it with a lot less information. Sheath's district lost four of its five nearby stations. It leaves farmers relying on less accurate data. 
just kind of disappointing. Numerous state agencies, elected officials say that water is such an important deal, but then we end up that we don't want to fund it. But one state has put its money where its mouth is. Oklahoma's mezzanine reliably gets about half of its funding from the state government. Director Chris Fiebrick says the support means he doesn't have to agonize over things like making payroll. We can have our staff looking at new technologies. We can have them developing new models, developing new products. The bandwidth goes toward training emergency managers or predicting where wheat's at in its growing cycle. Those technologies are out of reach in Nebraska, says Martha Durr. Often I'll get emails from people saying, well, hey, Oklahoma has this. Why don't you all have this? So that, that would be great. That would be awesome. <laughs> and she has reason to hope. A new bill in front of Nebraska lawmakers proposes earmarking about a million state dollars for the mezzanine over the next two years. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rembert. And that's Here First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Have a great weekend.